Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And of course, that is, once again, with the utmost respect to all of you. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. In this episode, I've got the pleasure of talking to developer and customer and all-around wonderful person, Paige Duffy. How are you, Paige? Hi, I am. Uh, I'm great. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thanks for asking. Well, welcome to Breakpoint. I got to ask, have you ever been on a podcast before? No, it's definitely my first one. All right. Woohoo. I like that answer. Well, sit back, enjoy. We're just chatting amongst friends. And uh, we, we uh, talked last time with Maria Gabriella. So that was a wonderful discussion. And she kind of led into this one. So before we begin, tell us about your origin story. Um, yeah, definitely. So I am a ServiceNow developer and a platform product owner for Novant Health. Um, I have actually been working with ServiceNow since, I, I don't know, it feels like the beginning of time at this point. Um, I did my first implementation around 2009, 2010. So it's it's been a little while. Um, in fact, my, my first knowledge was about 1,500 people. So New Orleans, if anyone was there. Oh, yeah. We, 2012. Yeah, we, yeah, we probably saw each other. It's pretty much doubled every year since then. I think the, the last one was something like 20,000. So it's kind of significantly bigger. Um, I am one of the founders and contributors to WomenNow.dev with Maria Gabriella, which is probably why she mentioned me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that that particular website is a way to provide a platform for female identifying developers to get their voice out there. We, we kind of noticed about a year ago that... Um, we, we didn't see a lot of us. You looked around at blogs and podcasts and, um, you know, like coding happy hour and the MVPs. And you're we like, wow, there are no women. So we uh, we wanted to put something out there to to help other women and encourage them. So and, and part of that was putting ourselves out there, too, which is, again, why we're doing these types of things. Um, and mostly I just I have honestly I love the platform. I stumbled into it on accident and it it's been you know the best accident i could have possibly have had <laughs> so it's, it's just been wonderful now, so Paige, you mentioned knowledge and and how small it was in 2012 about 1500 people the thing i noticed is you always run into the same people though every year even though it gets bigger you find those old alumni or veterans as it were and you go and, and you can reacquaint yourself and rekindle that friendship that's that's one of the things i love about getting together in person yeah, I mean, honestly, it's absolutely crazy. I, I mean, you're, you're standing there now, and well, obviously not right now, but you're standing there now and you're looking at this sea of people trying to find the people you know, <laughs> but somehow you still find them. Um, I mean, obviously technology helps that sometimes, but uh, but yeah, I, I love being able to see those people that I see once a year and get together. We're going to have, an, have to make an impromptu meetup app and say, hey, meet me here at this time. <laughs> With, with some GPS locations. Whatever works. Whatever works. All right. Now that we've pined over the uh, knowledge thing, which we might not get in person in 2021, I'm not sure yet, but it, it's leaning. I was so forward. sad when 2020 had to be canceled. I know. Well, it wasn't canceled. It was just digitized. Yeah. 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 The, the only knowledge I've missed is Orlando in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. When my son was, was a baby, I didn't go. It's the only knowledge I've missed. So I was so excited to go to Orlando. Well, you know, I'd say your son kind of takes priority at that point. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, what, you, you mentioned some homebody stuff. When you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? Um, sure. So I honestly, most of my time right now is is family oriented. I have a four year old. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm wife and mom a lot at home. Um, I'm also taking some classes to finish out my degree in um, information technology. And then <laughs> we like to off road. So we, we have uh, Jeep Wranglers and that's something we enjoy doing. We actually have a his and her, hers Jeep at this point. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I've got in-laws that are into jeeping and it is, it's one of those hobbies, much like a lot of hobbies where the people are really passionate about that thing and they go to great lengths on their vehicles, on modding them. In fact, I think Jason McKee actually has a couple of rock crawlers where with, you know, so yeah, there's a whole topic you can have with him on that as well. It's an expensive hobby too. <laughs> As are most. Uh, t- tell me about podcasting something I don't know. <laughs> well, every superhero has their origin story. You mentioned that you kind of stumbled into service now. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So, um, you know, honestly, I came straight out of high school and I, I had no idea what I wanted to do, um, which I, I, I feel a lot of people do. But, you know, you, you come out of high school and everyone's immediately demanding that you you pick a you know, you go to college, you you pick your degree, and that's what you're going to do with your life. Um, and, and honestly, if you ask 18, 19 year old me where I'd be, this would probably not be it. Um, but I did try college. It, you know, it just it it wasn't for me, and so I left. Um, and then I I went to a university and started doing data entry and um, training on their EMR, so electronic medical record system. Um, and then I, I eventually moved over to IT on the service desk, and they were implementing ServiceNow. And so I, I've actually heard this from a lot of people. You know, they start on the service desk, they implement ServiceNow, or they need someone new, and instead of hiring outside, they they bring someone in, uh, and that's what they did with me. You know, they they liked the work that I was doing. I was very organized. I had a lot of Excel spreadsheets. Apparently, that was popular. <laughs> um, and so I I ended up kind of running all of that. So I did their implementation. Um, you know, I did all the data gathering, everything. And that, that kind of led me to where I'm at now. You know, we started out small. That was a tiny department of about 30 people. Um, and I did a lot of things wrong. <laughs> uh, we worked with a partner, but I, I still, I did a lot of things wrong. Uh, broke a lot of things. You know, I would not want to go back to that instance today. <laughs> yeah, But, you know, um, I learned a lot too. So I've actually, you know, given a couple talks around you know, what, what not to do in an implementation. A lot of that comes from personal experience. Here's what I did wrong. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, so, so I went on and I continued to, to kind of be their administrator. I started slipping into, you know, more of the developer role, mm-hmm. um, moved around in the university a bit, and then eventually uh, moved to North Carolina and joined Novant Health. And, you know, I, again, I, I've been doing this for a long time, but that means I've also made a ton of mistakes. <laughs> So. Oh, wait a minute. Wasn't Andrew Barnes at Novant? He was. He's actually the one that brought me brought me over to Novant. Um, I pinged him on Slack through SNDevs mm-hmm. Slack, and I asked him um, whether or not he knew anyone that was hiring in North Carolina because we were looking to move out of Oklahoma. And he, you know, he just happened to have a position. So uh, I applied for it and went to work with him for about a year before, you know, he left us and went to service now. <laughs> So let this be a lesson to you, listener. Connections are good. 
You, you never know. I said that. I think I said on the last show. You never know where your next opportunity is coming from. So that that is true. And I I have loved my job. So I am so happy I moved, and I'm so happy that he had that position open. It was it was all about timing and who you know at that, that particular moment. So well, let's keep going on that thread. Then, how has ServiceNow shaped or changed your career? Um, I mean, again, honestly, I didn't have a career. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually didn't think I wanted anything to do with computers. Um, my my dad, that had pretty much been his entire job. He had done computer stuff, then he had a business, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, I liked coding, but I was like, I don't want to do that. And and yet here I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. Surprise. <laughs> I stumbled. Huh? Surprise. <laughs> yeah. I kind of slowly stumbled through it. You know, I, I, I took the service desk job because I was good at it. And I, you know, you kind of follow that path sometimes, but it, it gave me direction. You know, everyone's like, oh, I want to do servers and I want to do networking stuff and I want to do security. And none of that really called to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I, it just, it gave me my career. It gave me direction. Tell me, Paige, what was your most exciting moment as a ServiceNow developer? Um, I, I actually have several. Again, I, I love what I do, and I love to talk about what we've done. Um, and we, we've done a lot of cool things. Um, so we created an immunization app. So, so totally totally outside of the IT world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I work for healthcare, and one of the things that we require is that you have a flu shot every year. Uh, in the past, they did this manually, basically. So you would go get your shot with employee health or your doctor, and you'd have to you know turn that in. And they would all sit in a room. I, I don't know, five, 10 people that would sit in a room with a ton of paperwork and sit there and sort all of these papers for 20,000 employees to, to figure out whether or not you'd had your immunization. Um, and it, it usually took about a month. So we would have to do our immunization one month and then it'd take them another month to sort through everyone and to determine who had had their immunization, and who would not. Uh, so we turned the whole thing into an app. Um, you know, now we we process that same number, but at the end of the month of October, they immediately have their answer. Um, so EOH, Employee Health, uh, they go in and they can do your immunization straight from there. If you get your immunization at someplace like um, Walgreens, you can go in through a catalog item and submit it and they approve it. Uh, so so they were getting immediate notification of whether or not their employees were getting their, their immunizations. Um, you know, we also did some notifications out of the system as a reminder. So every week you were being told whether or not you got your immunization. And, and you know, towards the end of the month, it starts ramping up. Uh, so that that was honestly just kind of really cool to watch, to see that many records being processed in a month, that many people getting their immunizations and us being able to turn around that data so quickly. That's pretty powerful yeah. stuff. I mean, you're, you're doing life-changing and potentially life-saving stuff at that point. This isn't just, you know, business software at this point. I, I That's... Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it's been great. We, we had our second year of immunizations this year and it, it just goes so smooth. It's, it's great. What else have you got, Paige? I know you, you said there were multiple things. Yeah. So we also built, it's a pretty simple app, but, but what it provided is, is really what is exciting to me. Um, so, I mean, on the surface, it's just a very simple app where someone goes in and they request assistance. Uh, right now, obviously, we're in a pandemic, and we've had a lot of employees who, you know, their their spouses have lost their jobs or they're they're struggling in other ways. And so we built an app for them to be able to come into ServiceNow and request assistance from a fund that was created um, to help them. 
And so we we created that. They were doing it through kind of, you know, online word docs. And, and when we created that, we were able to turn around from, I believe it was, it was about a three-week to four-week turnaround to be able to get that payment to the people who needed it to, you know, less than a week. So now they're able to provide that assistance to our employees, you know, almost immediately. And, and obviously it's, it's something that they, they really needed. Um, so, so again, very simple, but something that we were able to provide that really helps people. Anything else? Yep. So my last one that I really want to talk about, uh, we have a citizen developer program here at Novant. Um, and we, we have about 15 citizen developers right now. And I, I love talking about it. If you ever come to the ServiceNow Dev Slack and mention citizen developer, I will probably jump onto the thread and tell nice. you all about our program. So I, I just, I love telling everyone, you know, how we do it and what we found because a lot of people are very nervous about that kind of thing. They, mm-hmm. They're anxious about allowing people to come in and do development. And, and it's not perfect and it's a little bit of a bumpy road to get there. But once you you get to the end, it's it's really, really nice to see kind of the output. I mean, we've, We've probably tripled our output just by having citizen developers doing it. Really? Yeah. And they take care of the things that, honestly, we, you know, they're low-hanging fruits. They get pushed out in our backlog. And so instead of having to wait two months for something, that citizen developer can pop in and do it, you know, in a week or two. And so the turnaround is a lot quicker for things, too. I like to double click into that a little bit. Tell me more about the program. How is it structured? Where did you start this journey of citizen developer? I mean, obviously it started with the kernel of an idea, like we got this stuff in our backlog that's not being addressed. What were the first steps you took to get that out of the gate to get people? I mean, the end result is you've got some enabled people or new people can be onboarded and run through, I'm assuming some sort of training slash enablement program. But what did it take to move that forward? How would you encourage someone to get their first steps to a citizen developer program moving? Sure. So, I, I mean, it was really about finding people who wanted to do it. Um, right now, our, our program is pretty limited to our service delivery um, office, mm-hmm. which is, is not part of the ServiceNow team, but we're, we're all, all kind of under the same manager. And we are looking to expand that outside of that group. But really, it's, it's finding people who have the desire to do it. Um, or honestly, people who are tired of waiting for us, that, that happens sometimes too. <laughs> um, but we, we, you know, we found those people, we encouraged them, we made ourselves available. We did do training. So they took advantage of the ServiceNow administrator training um, that's available on um, Now Learning. Uh, we insisted that they, they go ahead and get their system administrator um, certification. And once they had that, we had an instance that we had stood up and allowed them basically to go in as admins and start doing the development there. So it is it is segregated from our normal um, development instance. But really, a lot of it's just about encouragement and making yourself available. Um, we also did something called office that we call office hours. A lot of people call them office hours, mm-hmm. where we make ourselves available every day from three to four. Um, that also helped. You know, there were there were two things for that. One, again, it's that about that availability. Come ask us questions. We will help you. And then secondly, it also stopped us from getting pinged all day, every day. <laughs> uh, that's a good idea. Are you getting much uptake on that? I mean, people joining at oh, that time? Yep, definitely. Um, we still do it four days a week. And, you know, some days we don't get a lot of people in there and we focus on other things um, like peer reviewing their work instead. But but most every day we have a couple people that come in. Uh, some days we have six or seven people that come in. So it, it's it's definitely been a major, major thing that we've done with the Citizen Developer Program. 
What are you doing for the ongoing maintenance? When, when, when somebody comes, and there's two parts to that. One is obviously, what do you do if somebody leaves the organization? How do you maintain their application? The other that I want to hit on first is, how do you, what do you do when you get to the point where they need to engage the developers for deeper logic or for scripting or for something that's not available to the no and low code developers? Sure. So um, typically they'll join again office hours, mm-hmm. um, and and we try to help them through that. Sometimes it's it's above and beyond what they're capable of doing, and they usually pass that over into our development team queue. Um, but if it's not above and beyond, they'll come to office hours, and we try to assist them through that. You know, there's a lot of collaboration that occurs. You know, it's not unusual for there actually to be two people working on some of those stories if they they're really complex. Like we've we've got citizen developers honestly that are doing um, like some AD integration stuff through Integration Hub, using those those actions. Um, and, and and so they're doing some really powerful things. Uh, and and we just we help them through as best we can. And sometimes we have to take over. And what about the longevity or the the strategic maintenance of these apps? Or are you are, are you considering them kind of transactional? If if Jeff leaves the purchasing department, Jeff's application is no longer online. Or or, or does your group take those over, or, or, or you look for somebody else in that team that can support it? What's the? Because I know that's a big anxiety thing among IT people. Is well, yeah, if we got all these people out there making applications, and the landscape of the organization changes. Uh, who is it fall on our lap at that point? Right. So um, a lot of our citizen development right now is actually occurring in existing scoped apps um, or in the global scope even. So our like our change managers are actually taking on their own development. Um, we're just now moving into, you know, a citizen developer has their own scoped app, but none yeah. of that will be done in the silo. They'll never be developing something without some sort of oversight or review from us. Um, so if if something like that occurred, it would it hasn't occurred yet, but I imagine it would fall back into our backlog. Um, and at some point they would probably bring someone else in to continue to do that work because our backlog is huge and nobody wants to wait. <laughs> of course. And that's why the citizen developer programs are usually born is how can mm-hmm. I get around this long queue and do it myself? And there are capabilities on the platform for doing it yourself. I'm glad you brought that up that, that, that there nobody's doing this alone. There's always guidance. There's always governance. There's always visibility into what's happening out there in your own ServiceNow ecosystem. So that's pretty cool. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but what has been your biggest challenge with ServiceNow? You know, that's that's kind of hard. Um, I know that I've struggled some with with you know actually getting really getting in depth with um, you know coding and integrations and all of that. You know, I again I didn't finish college. I'm in the middle of that, so I'm just now taking coding classes, and so I've had to do a lot of that on my own. Um, and prior to things like like the the ServiceNow Dev Slack and and all of that, I, I struggled a bit. Um, but you know, I I've honestly found in the last three years I've grown so much since I kind of since I moved companies, and we've been able to do so much. Um, and the more I do, the more I grow. And and so sometimes sometimes that's a struggle. But I think a lot of it is just finding the right resource to help you through that. And and honestly, the community has probably been. And I, I mean that as a whole. So you know the the forms. The Slack, everything has been mm-hmm. so transformational for my journey and helping me with that. Um, 
so I mean that's kind of my struggle I guess but but at the same time I I've already kind of found my solution I guess <laughs> <laughs> well I like the way that you 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 turned your original challenge of hey where's the expert and whatnot and now you are you are the expert I mean four years is a long time it's been four years I lost count well no so you said 2012 years, was when you were introduced to it yeah so, yeah, so we're coming up um, on nine years now you're the expert. I mean, there's not a lot of people in the ecosystem that can say they've got nine years of experience on the platform. That That is true. And a lot of them have, have not seen where it's come from. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> oh, I remember back before there were conditions and emails. Remember before there was studio and all business rules were scripted? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was there for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. 2012 will take you back. <laughs> It's humbling sometimes, but it's also nice to see these other capabilities because without them, there'd be no citizen developer program, would there? That is true. I mean, there's been so much that's changed, but it's it's been great. Like, um, I love Flow Designer and Integration Hub. Again, that's something our citizen developers are using, and they're able to do integrations. And back in 2012, I would never have ever imagined that they were capable of doing that. But since they don't have to code anything, they can do them pretty easily. Um, so, yeah, it's it's changed a lot. Speaking of change, what's one thing you'd like to see changed in the platform? Um, this actually kind of goes back to our citizen developers. Um, I would love to see a better way to keep subproduction instances in sync. I, you know, obviously you can do a clone, mm-hmm. but we're we're developing in multiple instances right now. And, and so when you start moving things around, they clash a lot. Um, and it, it can be a little bit frustrating. We have five or six different development instances, um, running different things and, and it can get a little hectic and a little crazy. Um, so I would love to, to see something that, that helped with that, that wasn't just cloning all the time. Um, you know, we did explore team development a bit, but it didn't really fit our needs. We, a lot of our citizen developers are actually working in the global scope, so they're working on um, ITSM apps, and and so it it didn't unfortunately it didn't really fit what we needed. So you might want to look at in Paris and coming up in Quebec. Is more around the DevOps stuff because I understand it. If I understand you correctly, you're trying to keep the the development stuff in sync and you know the the transitional data the incidents the change requests that kind of thing is is kind of secondary is that correct correct yeah yeah so that whenever you develop something it doesn't clash with what i'm developing for example or or development work that i've done that i've moved to test but isn't down in your instance so what i can see is that might be more of a devops sort of thing so if if i'm on let's say i have developer instances a b c d or in your case, E, you said you have about five developer instances, <laughs> and then test and then prod. I assume there's one test and one prod, or am I mistaken on that? No. Nope. We're kind of solutioning here on the fly. But what you could <laughs> do is if somebody's got to change from A and they promote it to test, when the test passes, you could then replicate it out to B, C, D, and E with, with a pipeline. So that might be well, something. We're, to I mean, that's actually something we have in our backlog to build. Um, but we upgrade to Paris this week, and I'm sure that we will upgrade to the next version as soon as it comes out. That's what we do. <laughs> um, so that's that's definitely interesting. That's something we'll have to look into. Yeah, I I don't. I'm not the DevOps expert, but from what I've seen, 
with the APIs and the integrations with GitHub, et cetera, and Jenkins and whatnot, I don't know what you're using on the back end for your pipeline, but that could be done. You could even write a flow to handle a lot of this stuff and just trigger these solutions and say, go from here to test. When test passes, you know, whether you're using ATF to trigger that test automatically or you're doing manual tests and you update a record that triggers it, you can all have that happening. And they go, great. Now that it's tested, everybody gets it. I don't want to. I don't want to promote it across all the dev instances while it's still in dev. That might be dangerous. So, <laughs> right. uh, totally up to you and what your controls and decisions are. What words of wisdom do you have, Paige, for people that are new to the ServiceNow developer world? Um, I mean, the, the only thing I would say is it's scary sometimes, but but you should definitely go for it if. If you have an opportunity to do something with ServiceNow, take it. Um, I hope there are some people listening to this who who have never done anything or they're just starting to dip their toes in. But, you know, there's a community out there. There's the personal development instances. There, there's so many resources that ServiceNow provides for you to be able to learn. So you should take advantage of it. I mean, again, I, I love my job. I love what I do. And I, I want to be able to bring other people in and let all of them love it, too. <laughs> So, so do it. I mean, you know, break your PDI. If you're not breaking it, then you're not doing it. You're not doing it right. So you don't be afraid. Just, just do it. Where would you recommend they start? Um, the training probably from now learning. Uh, there's some really good in, introductory training. Uh, I mean, honestly, there's, there's so much training there. I've got a ton of items on my wish list to, to actually take and do, but definitely start there. Um, get yourself a personal development instance, break it, <laughs> enjoy it, see what you can do, see what crazy things you can create, um, and, and just kind of go from there. Uh, again, there's, there's obviously the community forums. There's the ServiceNow Dev Slack, which is great. I think we've got, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 people or something nice. in there. It's, it's almost constantly active <laughs> if you need help. Um, so just... Yeah, just do the training, grab your PDI, and talk to some people. Paige, it's been wonderful today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we go, can you let the listener know how to get in touch with you? Definitely. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just Paige Duffy. Uh, pretty pretty easy to find there. Um, I've got an email at page.sndev at gmail.com. And then you can also reach myself and Maria Gabriella on womennow.dev. You can contact us there if you would like to contribute. I will have links in the show notes for all of that information so that you can click right through, or if you see it on the blog, you can use that as well. I had to learn how to spell page properly. It's P-A-I-G-E. For programmers, it's not P-A-G-E. Thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Please don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them all at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu. There's a big option that says podcast right there, and it will show you all the offerings we have because it's growing all the time. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for free so that you can get it automatically delivered to you. Again, Paige, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.